Great news, folks. Michael Zuber, One Rental at a Time. I just want to let you know that we have finally released our second book, 15 Conversations with Real Estate Millionaires. This book was written with you in mind. I wanted to capture 15 unique stories of different investors starting at different stages and doing different things. This book is just that. It's nearly 300 pages of motivation, of confirmation, and reminders that yes, you too can do this thing. Check it out on Amazon, and of course, have a great day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. And as promised, this fine Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, we have a surprise guest. Let's welcome Aaron to the channel. How are you doing, Aaron? Awesome. Great. Awesome. Wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. So you reached out to me. I want to say it was about 10 days ago or so. Uh, I think it was on IG. It might have been Facebook. Anyway, it's a direct message. Uh, you are one of my students in my course, How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. And you had a long list of things that you were uh, concerned or afraid of. And I'm like, whoa, lots of stuff here. Uh, any chance, Aaron, you would be up for recording a Zoom call where we can go through each of them? And because I want to record it, I want to help you. And also I want to help others because again, a lot of things I saw there are not unique to you. So you graciously said yes. And here we are, September 26th, Sunday morning. So uh, Aaron, thank you for doing that. Uh, real quick, introduce yourself to the audience, who you are, what you do, where you're at, and then we'll just get started. Sure. Uh, my name is Aaron Leeds. I live in Mesa, Arizona, originally from San Diego, California. I'm actually also a student of Pace Morby in sub two. Yeah. Um, been studying kind of a student of real estate for probably five, three to five years now. So okay. started off reading tons of bigger pocket stuff. Yeah. I uh, love Brandon Turner stuff, uh, the Bigger Pockets podcast, super awesome there. Read a lot of books, um, like many. Um, I started off before that uh, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So sure. totally changed my life as well. Um, and then the Cash Flow Quadrant also changed my life too. So secondly, I love those. Both those books are great. Very cool. Yep. Um, so then eventually took a career out here, moved from San Diego to here. I'm a financial consultant. I got you know, clients, uh, work virtually from home, but I have clients all over the country. And so okay. I help, help people get out of debt and stuff like that. Nice. Great career out here. But uh, during the same time, you know, thinking about those kind of like great bullet points that Robert Kiyosaki talks about in the book, right? Like mm -hmm. changing your shift, you know, shifting your mindset. And I think like you, I also um, grew up in a... Uh, a pretty bad experience. I didn't have parents who were great with money. Um, <laughs> yeah, been there. <laughs> I know mm -hmm. what that feels like. Yeah, yeah. Divorced family. Um, yeah, not not really the greatest influences in terms of how to think about money yeah. and think about finances. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the, a lot of this that we're going to talk about could stem from there because yeah. my, my parents also uh, both, you know, generally speaking, bad with money and also fear-based, right? So hmm. yeah, um, scarcity mindset, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so yeah, I wanted to kind of shoot these things by you to, yeah. you know, get your thoughts on them. Cause I know you've had so much success in this area. And, um, I, I feel like one of, one of the quotes that my father always used to say is, uh, you know, study the pros and you can be a pro. Hmm. Um, I love that. I love that mentality. Um, and, you know, I think this is why I think mentorships are so helpful. Um, yeah. because if, you, if you're not getting the right training, then you got to go find it. At least that's what I've done. Right. Yeah. Totally get it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, 
So I'll tell you a quick story that'll probably kind of encompass like where my mind is at with this. Okay. Um, and I'm past- just taking notes when you look, when you see me look off to the side. So go ahead. Yeah. So th- this story has to do with the music business. Mm-hmm. Um, so my father was a famous recording engineer and producer in the seventies. I, I was born in Hollywood. My dad, you know, was doing a lot of work there. He worked with a lot of really big names at that time in the seventies. Um, so I grew up around music, um, started playing drums when I was really little, um, took lessons, had, you know, a lot of mentors there growing up in San Diego, California, played in a ton of bands. Um, and I always came from this this mindset this school of thought that says you know do what you love and the money will come right Mm. so just you know do that so um i would sit there and practice four to six hours a day um as a matter of fact (laughs) much of my life i'd get the cops called because the neighbors were like man this drummer kid next door he's just doesn't stop man come on man like it's nine o'clock at night you're still jamming you know and stuff and so Anyway, long story short, um, and I'll tie this into real estate in a moment, but huh? a lot of the fears that I have in terms of real estate um, kind of surround around this, th- this notion of, you know, hey, if you just work hard enough, you're eventually going to make it, right? Mm. And we just know that that's not true in so many aspects of life, uh, especially in my experience, right? So mm-hmm. you can kind of see where I'm going with this, right? Um, if you told somebody, hey, if you just, you know, start a band and work hard enough, you'll eventually become a rock star. And that's just not true, right? Yeah, Sorry, not true. False, yeah. Um, and so too, such as things like anything in the entertainment industry, right? Like mm-hmm. somebody moves from another part of the country or the world and they come to Hollywood and they want to be a movie star. They want to yeah. be an actor or an actress and they... They just, you know, they read all these hype up books and they've got mentors and like just work really hard and do all these things. And eventually you're going to make it and stuff. And we know that the overwhelming majority of people, not, not true. No. Sorry, they just not don't not. make it. Mm-hmm. So my journey in real estate started with a lot of this, you know, stuff about education. And then eventually, you know, as a lot of people do, they start in wholesaling. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but it became quickly apparent to me and I'm, totally glad to be corrected on this if I have a wrong thinking, but it seems to me that this is a very similar thing. In wholesaling, you have a very low barrier to entry, Mm -hmm. right? So anybody can wholesale. You just pull a list and start cold calling people. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, as that process progressed of learning about wholesaling and stuff like that, what I realized was, gosh, like everybody's doing this. Mm -hmm. And it it seems to be that like every market is like super saturated. And a lot of people are making a lot of money on mentorships, but Mm -hmm. I'm not seeing a lot of people having tons of success um, in the wholesaling space. Mm -hmm. And so I thought to myself, I don't know if I want to do this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, we talk about, um, there's a term we call the wholesale hamster wheel, right? So Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, And I've, I'll I'll be honest, I'm deathly afraid of that, right? I'm deathly afraid of quitting my corporate job to spend a ton of money month after month, hoping that I can, you know, throw some deals in there and then, you know, not have to put a bunch of money back into the the wholesale hamster wheel and stuff. Um, And I have many people that I know across the United States that are in that wholesale hamster wheel. Yeah, sure. I I have no interest in getting caught in that whatsoever. Um, So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, as much as I have a, a ton of bullet points to talk about, but we'll kind of start there, which is just sort of like, not only just fear of failure, but it's fear that like, 
there's there's not a, even a likelihood of success here for most mm -hmm. people and it's not for a lack of trying right because mm -hmm. they talk about well if you just grind hard enough and and the first thing that comes back to my mind is okay yeah if you just try hard enough you'll become a rock star it's like nah that's just not true um so i wonder like you know if there's a better way and and so that that got me thinking about those lines of maybe i should be looking for somebody different who's in a position that i am in right uh -huh. Um, and I think that's more toward yourself and, and my friend, Zach keeps, if you know, Zach, he's super mm -hmm. awesome, very similar place. I have quite a few friends who are in this position, right. That closer to a life that I want to live and stuff and different than kind of that, the wholesaling lifestyle. Um, so I know there's yeah. a lot of wholesalers who are very successful, but I know more of them who are not. And yeah. so, um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I really haven't heard a question, but I do have some thoughts based on that. So, so a couple of things jumped to mind. First and foremost, ever since Carlton Sheets, I don't know, you, you may be too young to hear about hear about Carlton Sheets or Robert Allen, or these are the old school real estate investors who were doing creative financing in the 80s, right? You, you may have just been born. But in the end, they were doing, um, what's his name? Um, the guy who goes out with Tony Robbins all the time. Anyways, there's a lot of people that sell the vision of easy money with real estate investing or selling cars or crypto or trading cards or, 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 or. Um, I guess a couple of things that, that come to mind is if you're chasing easy money, if that's your thing, uh, you're going to be like the actor or actress that runs to LA, thinks they're going to get a gig in three months and pretty soon, best case, you're a, a waitress or a waiter. Worst case, you're doing something you never thought you would do. Um, everything that I've ever, everybody I've ever known to be wildly successful, and I've interviewed lots of them, um, it takes a hell of a lot longer than any of us want to admit to really create momentum. I've talked to a couple of people that got lucky. I've talked to a couple of wholesalers that closed their first deal in 45 days. Often what happens is they don't have another deal for six or nine months because they don't appreciate what got them the first deal in record time is not repeatable, right? They happen to make that one phone call on that one day that got the person at the right time and the stars aligned. Most wholesalers that I know spend the first year doing nothing. Mm. Uh, and me, me, when I say doing nothing, I mean getting no deals. They're on the wheel to your, your example. So I, um, I do not prescribe to the notion of burn the boats, right? Quit your job, go all in, get, you know, two, three months of reserves and, you know, get yourself in such a position that um, almost you have to be successful. That doesn't work. That leads to shortcuts, high stress, bankruptcy, not a lot of good outcomes. So what I prescribe, and I prescribe this for anything, whether it's real estate or trading cards or crypto or whatever it is stocks i don't care bust your ass during the day in a day job nine to five nine to nine whatever it is and then god damn it go build your side hustle after i did that for 15 years and it starts really slow right we had one rental the first year three by the end of year two we had eight by the end of year four eight rentals when you have two six-figure incomes in gonna do squat Right. It, it probably pays. I probably, it, it probably, actually, it probably paid both our car payments. Let's be fair. Let's not be too crazy. So, I mean, it was meaningful. I, a couple of car payments, but it wasn't paying our mortgage, I don't think, at the time. However, 
if you stay at it long enough and eight becomes 20 and then 40 and then 80 and then 100 after a decade or 15 years, it's pretty cool. But I would never, I mean, one of the things you sent in your note is I got to be successful in two years. I'm like, fuck that. There's no promises. It's very unlikely. Yeah, you could win the lotto too. Um, I'm not here. I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to ever tell anybody they could get done in two years. That's. that's well, to be fair, it was more of a question, but yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm not even, I mean, again, I think I said in my reply, I, I can't say two years. I mean, heck, it took us 15. But again, I say, keep your job, right? Bust your ass being a financial planner, financial analyst, look for the extra work, get the extra certifications, but also learn your market, right? The problem with wholesaling, flipping, even buy and hold is too many people spend too much time looking for the perfect market or the perfect this or the perfect that. When it all comes down to buying great deals, right? Now that you're in my course, you will see that the first 60 days, you're defining a buy box and it's really boring. You look at it every day, and then when you're done, you're done, right? If you want, you can network a little more. You can play with a POC or a trial that's in there, but you're done because you're trying to figure out what an average deal is and whatever your buy box of choice is, whether it's Mesa or San Diego or Cleveland. I don't care where it is, but that's all you're trying to do because once you figure out what average is, then you go do good and great deals. And to me, real estate investing is, I call it golf, but let's call it playing the drums. At some point playing the drums, you were better than most. And the more you did it, you were probably in the top 5%. The more you did it, you were probably in the top 2%. That's all I can promise. Are you going to be the next, I don't know, who's a famous drummer? I have no idea. Uh, Neil Peart. I have no idea what he is. Neil Peart. (laughs) And I promise you're going to be him? No freaking way. However, if you do this long enough, just like playing the drums, you could be in the top 2%. And when you're in the top 2% of real estate investors, it's a pretty good place to be. Cool. Love it. So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely shoot my questions toward you, but yes, please. I, I wanted to start with those things. Yeah, um, this is all for you, man. This is what I wanted to happen because lots of people are in your position. Lots of people want it now, want it fast. A lot of people go to wholesaling. The reason they go to wholesaling is quick money. They see the checks. They don't see the hamster wheel. They don't realize all the apps and the lists and the mails and the quality of life and this and that and this and that. And and, and I don't know what the burnout rate in wholesalers are, but I'm going to guess it's 80%. Yep. And that's a lot of lost money. Yeah. I've, I've actually had many conversations with um, folks that are not only in mentorships that I'm in, but in other ones as well. Um, and, and like there's managers that I've spoken to who, who manage a lot of those mentorships and they say, yeah, it's, it's, you know, maybe 10% of the people say they have success. 90% don't. Now the the unfortunate part about it is a lot of those people, I feel as though they're trained because they're, you know, they're selling the mentorship. So they have a vested interest in saying, Oh, it's just because those people didn't take action. I'm like, no, that's not true. I'm sorry. (laughs) But like, no, it's just, yeah. When, when you have this, small of, um, you know, what, what do we say? Like whole, in wholesaling cash offer deals in the whole of real estate is like less than 5% of deals that are done, right? Or, or wholesale deals, I guess that's the number, I suppose. So sure. it's like, we're all of these people, you know, shooting these fish, but there's not very many fish to shoot, right? And we're all- Yeah, the, the people that were doing killing it in wholesaling, we know them all. They, they got in seven, eight years ago. When, because what, what happened is they were fishing in a lake. The lake was stuck with fish because we were just coming off the great recession. Lots of people had real estate with back taxes. And the, I mean, there was a horrible environment. 
and there was three fishermen and then there were six and then there were nine and then there were 15. Now there's 500. And not only are there more fishermen, but there's a hell of a lot less fish because the other fish have been taken out. They were not allowed to spawn and have these other things. Will there be more fish added in the future? Yeah, we'll have another recession. It could be deep and dark and recessions beget pain. So may fish will come, but we're not there today. Dude, the last year has been the hardest time to buy deals. Try to be a wholesaler in the last year. Oh my God. No, especially a new one. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why for the longest time I resisted um, within the other mentorships I'm in, I resisted getting a bunch of cold callers, pulling lists and doing all this stuff because I knew a bunch of people that were doing it and they were just throwing Earning money, money, throwing money down a pit. And yep. I said, I don't want to do it because I've done that in my life in the past. And it doesn't, it would not feel good. I would freak out. Um, okay. Well, yeah, that, that's great. I, I really like the fact that we're on the same page in terms of uh, not burning the boats because I've burned the boats two or three times in my life and I drowned. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. starve or drown. Neither, neither one's good. Yeah, not, not liking that plan very much. <laughs> so I yeah. suppose a lot of people will maybe share that sentiment. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. And I don't, again, don't, I mean, I can only use my experience. So I'm 30 years old. I just come off a huge loss. Uh, and I decide that, you know, buy and hold rentals, i.e. rich dad is going to be my thing. But I had no, I mean, back when I bought the first one, Norris Drive, which I wrote about, which again, starts horribly, but ends up okay. Um, my whole intention, I wasn't even thinking about financial freedom or being done. I was, I just wanted a better future. And that's where I think a lot of people need to level set, right? I talk about getting to four. These freaking people I talk to go, oh, I want a hundred or a thousand. I'm like, how many do you have? Zero. I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing talking about a hundred? You, you get one, right? <laughs> so again, what I would tell you here is we got to reset goals. I'm not talking about financial freedom in two years or 10 years. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, hey, let's find one good or great deal. And then let's find another and, and then yeah. another, hence the name one rental at a time. Yeah, I, I really like this. I mean, this, you speak to me so much. And I think you speak, Michael, to a lot of people because I've, I've had in the music world, I've had many mentors, right? But like I wound up eventually finding a couple that spoke to me, like they just spoke my language. And I feel mm -hmm. like you speak my language. It's not to say that Pace Morby doesn't, right? Pace is phenomenal at what he does. I love Pace so much. But like when I talk to you and I hear you speak, I hear myself. I'm like, this resonates with me. Like this is really, I think this is more of a reliable option. It, 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 I think it resonates with me because it's my experience in the past of, you know, like getting good at like music or playing, I play tennis as well. And it's the same thing. It's like, you want to get good at tennis then go out and practice your hit. Yeah. You're going to have to go practice, right? Yeah, That's exactly. It. You want to be good yeah. buy and hold rentals. The first 60 days, you're looking at a tight buy box every freaking day. Yeah. For me, it was a golf swing, but yeah, it's drums or tennis or the same thing. Yeah, I love it. So yeah, that being said, so some of the questions I think about um, a lot are um, probably the most common one right now is, um, you know, let's say you're somebody starting out, how reasonable is it to be fearful that, you know, I'm going to buy a fourplex or, or whatever, you know, this, this, I own my home now, but I, I potentially could move out and rent it or something, but, sure. but that another variant is going to come and the renters are going to stop paying uh, because I asked this question in context, yeah. because I'm a financial consultant. I help people get out of debt mm -hmm. and I have clients all over the country. And that I can't tell you, Michael, I, I look at a hundred credit reports a day. 
-hmm. And I talked to these investors. I talked to these people where they're, you know, their, their folks stopped paying. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a big worry for me. I'm like, you know, do all the work, all this kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. find this allegedly great deal. It looks like the yield is great Mm -hmm. and everything. And then all of a sudden, oh, guess what? Yeah, we're not paying our rent too Mm -hmm. bad. Right. Yeah. Again, I only can give you my experience. Uh, this is a once, in, hopefully, a once in a lifetime event for all of us. Uh, again, my actuals, uh, I did have people not pay, play, and I had I had some people legitimately not pay, and then others play the game. Uh, my red collections were down about one or two percent across my portfolio. Uh, thankfully, now after nine or ten months, we actually have the government kicking in and making us whole uh, on a couple of those units. But yeah, we lost probably fifty grand. Um, over the last 18 months or so uh, with money we'll never see, right? The tenants ghosted us or broke stuff or whatever they did. Uh, but that is certainly part of this. Uh, so the first thing I would tell you is the stories are greater than reality. A lot of the landlords I've spoken with, um, and certainly the ones who have portfolios, um, the rent collections were better than expected. Like I, I talk, I always talk openly, right? So back in March of last year, I'm like, dude, I don't know what's going to happen. I planned for 50% collections. That's what I planned for greatly encouraged. Uh, never, never less than 95% in any month. Uh, the second thing is, as landlords, we need to take ownership. Landlords don't take enough ownership. We say yes to tenants. Just like you're going to have a buy box, you need to have a tenant box. And you get to approve them, right? You, you can raise credit, you can raise income, you can, you, you know, you, uh, you don't say yes to the first person that brings an app, you say yes to the first person that matches your criteria. Uh, landlords who got burned, most of them, their tenant selection wasn't great. Uh, if you look down the stack ABC, I've talked about it on my channel many times. Rent collection in A actually went up, not down. Rent collection in B was about even. And rent collection in C class properties, who were most impacted by the service shutdown, were rough. They were down about uh, eight or nine percent across the country. But again, it's tenant selection. Most landlords, and again, I have great tenant selection. I was very encouraged, but still I had two people hear the cancel rent movement and they thought it applied to them. Uh, one of them ghosted me after being down about 28 grand and the other one I evicted for other reasons and hit him with a big ass massive judgment that will follow him for a decade. Um, it could happen. I'm not here to say it won't happen, but I'm here to tell you that landlords need to step up and own their part of this more, in my opinion. So would that be also saying, like buttressing on that, would, would that be to say that um, some of your, is this like prevention is better than cure? Like eventually out of the gate, you're, you don't only have a buy box, but you, you have a tenant box in the sense that you're doing like some pretty, you know, heavy uh, screening, like tenant screening that mm-hmm. helps with yeah, that. Yeah, you, you, get, you get to set up the tenant criteria, whether it's you specifically or you with your property manager. Um, yeah. If you're really concerned about that, then you should, if you're really concerned about the service industry, which was the one that was hardest hit by this, you probably don't want to buy C-class properties mm-hmm. because C-class properties are going to often be the people that work at McDonald's or the local retailer. They're hourly and they're living paycheck to paycheck. You probably don't want to buy those, right? If you're going to buy a C-class property and hope to rent to A-class tenants who have white collar jobs, you got a mismatch. So if you really have that concern, you as the landlord, great. You get to select the area and property type you buy. And B, you get to select the tenants. You own a lot of that. And still, you can be surprised. But you're, you're, you take care of A and B, you're, you're going to be protected most of the time. Hmm. Okay. 
And I know you talk a lot about, you know, um, yield and in, in terms of looking for your market, knowing your market and so forth. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm, I'm sort of at this unique position where there's a, there's a chance. Um, I live in Mesa, Arizona now, but I, there's a possibility that I could be moving to Dallas, Texas for my, sure. uh, my company's expanding there. Um, so when you're thinking about that, let's say hypothetically that Michael Zuber today was looking to go into a new market, like another market, right? Um, what are the general characteristics, the big pillars that you're going to be looking for? And like how, like if you're, let's say you're beginning like me, like where do you go online to find these statistics, these numbers? Because I'm a numbers guy, right? So, but I don't know where to find a lot of this data. And even if I do find some websites, how do I know to trust this data? I don't know if I'm looking yeah, at Yeah, you're, you're overthinking it. Your job is to pick up some drumsticks and learn the skill of playing the drums. So go pick Mesa, pick a zip code, pick a property type in Mesa so you can drive it, look at, feel it, take pictures, get comfortable and go play the drums for 60 days. Stop yeah. thinking about finding the perfect market in this, that, the other thing. You need to figure out the skill of learning a market. I suggest most people do that in their backyard. I'm not saying buy in Mesa. I'm saying learn the skill of real estate investing in your backyard. Mm. That may feel like a waste, but trust me, it won't because it'll take you three, four months, whatever it is. At the end of it, you'll go, I get it. I'm now in the top 5% of real estate investors. I could do this again in Dallas or a suburb of Dallas or Plano or whatever it is. And <laughs> next time it won't take four months. It'll take two months. Learn the skill. Stop. Um, driving yourself crazy with what ifs and how comes and all of okay. that step Love back, it. get a buy box, pick up the damn drums and play the drums. <laughs> so you're saying I got to watch your videos. <laughs> yeah. Do the freaking work and stop Do the work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love it. I, I definitely, uh, I, 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 I say guilty as charged of what we're thinking it. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of people that are like me that. Oh yeah. Me. This is not the first time I've heard this. <laughs> it won't be the last. either. <laughs> yeah. And as is so intuitive, right. There, there's a lot more for us beginners. There's a lot more that seems to be on the line than just picking up drumsticks, right. Picking up drumsticks is, you know, it doesn't cost very much money, but if I dump in 50, 60, a hundred thousand, right. Into a deal and I'm an idiot and I mess up and I'm like, yeah. Oh, so that's like, well, that's the key. I want this to be like picking up the drumsticks. Your first 60 or 90 days are zero cost other than a $300 course, right? right? It is realtor, Zillow, Redfin, pick your favorite, figure out what a criteria works from you and then hit it, refresh, 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 refresh for 60 days in a row. And I want you to manually move it to Excel or Word or wherever you're comfortable and just see what changes. And at some point, it happens for people at different rates at the 47th day or the 63rd day, or heaven forbid the 87th day. It's like, oh my God, the average deal in Mesa, California or Mesa, Arizona for three bedroom, two bath home, single story is X. I get it. That's like picking up a set that costs you nothing, but you become the expert in Mesa three twos. And once you do that once, you know, you could do it again. You could take that skill to Dallas, to Huntsville, to Detroit, to freaking Frankfurt or Frankfurt, I don't know, Germany. Japan or Germany or <laughs> Australia. Yeah. It all works. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. So not necessarily in this order, but yeah. another question I have is I have 
this opportunity potentially to move to Dallas. And if I did that, I live in a three, two now, which is my home. Mm -hmm. I would probably rent this out and I can get, as you say, uh, you know, cheap money right now. I can probably, you know, I can, with my lender, I can put down 10% and I can move to Dallas and buy and live in a home there. Do you feel like that's a good move with, um, you know, the funds I have in terms of that, I do very well in my career. Yeah. Property. I, again, it's, 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 you know, there's, there's lots of variables there. I mean, one of the things you could do, well, again, you're going to be far away. Who's your property manager? What's the return? The other thing, because you are a financial planner, you likely know this. If you've lived in that home for two years out of the last five, you could sell it tax-free, right? Up to 250 grand, 500 grand if you're married. You know, so that, that could be, that might be an option, right? I don't know. So I, I would have to understand that, right? Because again, if you could sell it tax-free, that's just another pile of equity because maybe the return's bad in Mesa. I have no idea what your mortgage payment is. I don't know what the rent market is. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about never selling because of my my mind mindset of saying I want to have, you know, cash flow long-term. So I, you know, I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't know. But... I have no idea. I mean, may, I mean, like for example, if Mesa was going to give you 4%, and you could sell and walk away with 240 grand tax-free. My guess is I could do more than 3% on that two. And I'm just making these numbers up. Mm -hmm. I don't know Mesa. But if Mesa is a 12% return because you have a low mortgage payment and a huge basis, eh, you know, I don't know. Do the math as you'll see in the course. Okay. Love it. So it's all about what the numbers say. Love it. So dude, it's only numbers. It's just math. It's not even calculus. It's algebra. Wow. Do, do you feel like some of the deals that you've done in the past, like have been like pretty much what you expected them to be, or were there like delightful surprises where you were like, this is oh. better than I thought or worse than I thought? Like how, how much variance is there? And, you know, like in the beginning of a real estate deal, you can get in and say, I think this is going to be good. And then, you know, it's always like a relationship you get in and there's a lot, I feel like there's a lot more to that property mm. that meets the eye. You start mm. learning about it and stuff. So I wonder how much. Variance yeah. I would say with every deal you get better. Um, so Norris drive obviously turned out rotten because the tenant had to be evicted. Uh, but the next tenant was there for three years and never missed. Um, I would say, uh, I was too cheap in the beginning. I did band-aids, right? When something broke, I did a band-aid and band-aids don't work in rentals, right? They get beat up really fast. So now I, like if something breaks, I replace it, generally speaking. Um, so that's something I learned. It's, it's a bigger capital hit now, but it comes off the taxes, but it's, I save money long-term. So I generally replace, don't band-aid now. That was a lesson learned. I would say by the fourth rental, I'd gotten much more, much better at really gauging things. I would say by the fourth rental, I was within 5% most months because it's it really is just math. And then you have a little bucket for reserves and surprises. When I look back over a year, because month to month is really hard. When I look back over a year, which I have done, I would say most of them, uh, most of them were within 5% minus my first move to apartments. So I had houses and then I started switching to apartments. I screwed that up so bad. I didn't realize expenses were higher. I didn't realize turnover was higher because um, I used my single family mindset, which was really well-learned and moved into apartments. Woo! That first year was rough. Um, but the pleasant surprises is I don't count appreciation anywhere. And uh, inflation is real. Appreciation is great. I've recycled capital. It, it's the reason I'm financially free now. Uh, you know, I did cash out refis to go from three to eight. I did 1031 exchanges to go from eight to 80. 
I use the Burr method to go from 80 to 120 or 130. And it's, it's, um, it's all about moving money around, which you'll be able to, once you, once you have the skill of real estate investing as a financial planner, you'll be able to recycle capital with the best of them. But you've, you've got to get, you can't get there until you have a couple of years just doing a deal or two. Hmm. Do you use it like homeowners insurance at all to repair things like roofs or any major stuff? Or? Well, homeowners insurance, I think you're talking about warranties. So I have homeowners insurance. I actually have renters insurance, let's be very clear, which cover things like fire and flood, which I've had. I've had three fires and one flood in 20 years. Uh, renters and landlord, I think it's called landlord policy, actually. Sorry, landlord policy. Very helpful. I got replacement costs, so I paid more, uh, but they were well worth it. I got rent guarantees during the repairs. Um, I have umbrella policies on top of all of that. So uh, I pay a lot of insurance uh, and happy to, because when you need it, you need it. I've never, never filed a claim for a roof. Um, uh, I never, I, I don't do warranties. I did them the first, I did home warranties, right? The first five houses, maybe six houses. And then I had a claim and they denied it. And then I had another claim and they denied it. I'm like, screw you. You're in the business of collecting money and not paying. So I never did a warranty since. Hmm. Yeah, the reason I ask is because I have in the house I live in now, I, I do have homeowners insurance. I sure. believe it's, it's not, I don't know if it's renter's insurance. I think it's just homeowner's insurance. Yeah, if it's an owner occupied, it's called homeowner's insurance, correct? Yeah. Well, out here in Arizona, we have the monsoon weather, right? Which is just crazy winds and stuff. And we mm. have these, you know, asphalt shingle roofs. And one of the things I'm thinking about with my place, if I move out, I'm like, well, this roof needs to be replaced. And if I can get insurance to cover it because there was damage from the uh, monsoons, yeah. right. Then there yeah. Go. So that would be a conversation with you and your insurance broker. One thing you'll learn about insurance is they'll insure anything, but it has a cost. I have no, I, in California, the big one's earthquakes. And thankfully Fresno is rather stable. So I don't have earthquake insurance, knock on wood. Uh, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta know your market, right? That's part of learning your market. Right. So do the work, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do the work. Yeah. Um, so I guess one sort of last question that's on my mind here sure. is what are some of the major pillars that um, you feel like are the most important for beginners other than doing the work? But if you could rewind the tape and talk to yourself, you know, like 15 years <laughs> ago, what would you tell yourself that like, hey, Mike, like, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm speaking to you from the future. Mm -hmm. Don't do this, but do this instead. Yeah. So I'll give my credit first and it's in the course. It's step one and step two. It's buy box, get really disciplined. Uh, back in my career, people called me a jackhammer because once I focus on something, I could do it. And I'm excited to do it every single time, just like a jackhammer. That's a, that's my superpower without question. Some people get bored. I do not. I'm excited every day. So that was dead on what I missed is I thought the answer lived in Excel. I thought if I built the most fancy, and again, right, I got an accounting degree in MBA, I can, I could, I can put the worksheets together, right? But um, it doesn't live in Excel. The math, as you will see in my course, is ridiculously simple. It's, it's arithmetic, it's division, right? It's, it's multiplication and division. Um, network, man, network. Once you define, like, if you get in the course and the answer is Mesa, well, I'm going to challenge you to meet a new person in Mesa every day. Could be an investor, could be an agent, could be a contractor. The thing that I got wrong the first four or five years is I used one agent, one team, and you know now I try to meet several new ones a week. Uh, you just never know 
uh, where your deals will come from. And that's how I was able to do deals in 2020 was off market for my network. Not, not, not mailers, not this, not that. Just people knowing what Mike Zuber buys. Uh, so tell everybody. So what I would do differently is network like a monster. I would have weekly, I probably would have, a, I would probably have a goal of to meet 10 people a week. And now meet could just be email and phone calls. And um, yeah, I was going to say something else, but yeah, I would meet 10 people a week. Mm. What else was I going to say? No, I think that's it. Yeah. 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 I, I really love that idea of looking back, you know, if you have success in a certain area in your life saying, Hey, if you rewound the tape. Yeah. And, and that, I remember what I was going to say. Sorry. I was like, I know there's something else I would, I would want to meet 10 people a week. And I would tell every 10 person, everyone, I'm my name's Mike Zuber. I buy 93703, the Mayfair district, three or four bedroom, two bath homes, single story attached garage. That was my buy box. Everybody would hear that. It would be like my business card. It would be at the bottom of my emails. Everybody would hear it. That way, anybody saw a three or four bedroom in the Mayfair, they would call Mike Zuber. Or at least they would think about calling Mike Zuber. So that's what I would do different. I didn't do that until the crash. Mm. And if I had done that early, I think we would be even bigger today because more people would have known what we were looking for. And so was, was it the case then that you're limiting yourself only to one zip code? Yeah, for the first three years. I again in the course. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah, yes. I haven't been through all the videos yet, but yeah, that's that's an, somewhat of an aha or a question moment for me because for the longest time it's like, no, it doesn't matter the zip code. Just just find. No, it, it eventually won't. But you can like I don't know Mesa. I, I can only speak to Fresno's about a million people. As someone who never lived in Fresno, I could not learn Fresno by saying I. I'm going to look at Fresno because. The Mayfair district is different than um, the tower. The tower is different than Fig Garden. The Fig Garden is different than Lowell. It's all different. Mm. And as someone who's never been there, how the hell am I supposed to know that Lowell is this and that? And th it's, Stop it. You're going to drive yourself crazy and get nowhere. You'll actually get negative leverage because what you'll end up doing in my example is you will take uh, tower rent and put it on low pricing and you will be greatly burdened because uh, a three, two in the tower might be 1800, but in the Lowell, it's a thousand. And if you do those numbers wrong, even though it's all Fresno, you're going to go broke. Mm, so there's a lot more to learn than meets the eye, essentially. Do the work. Yeah. Love it. Cool. Well, yeah, Michael, thank you for your time. Um, I don't have any other huge questions. I have lots of bullet points of like past fears, but I feel like We've, we've covered a lot of those. And I think that helps a lot in terms of um, where my focus should be. And maybe that's what's been happening with me in the past couple of years is, is going, gosh, like, I don't want to dive into this pool yet because I'm not, because I feel like this could be as cold as ice or get me in hot water, you know, or something. It could be the yeah. wrong pool to jump into. Uh, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, real real estate investing. There's a couple of things I've come to believe uh, over the years that I try to help more and more people. First and foremost, real estate investing is a skill. I call it golf. We'll use drums in your example. And again, go back to your when you first picked up the sticks. I'm sure it was noise. I don't know. A year in, you were playing some songs. A decade in, you were probably being able to look at a sheet of music and play any song. I'm just guessing. Yep. It's the same thing. So. Right now, you're a real estate investor who's got a new set of sticks. Yeah. I suggest simplifying it with a buy box. 
and playing the same, I don't know, pattern or whatever it's called. Yep. Until you're comfortable with that pattern. So yeah, that, that gives me direction. I, I like you, it, when I get really passionate about something and I have an extreme focus on a goal, um, I become the jackhammer as well. I, I would yeah. practice it. in those years. I'd practice drums for six hours a day. Yeah. So let and, me, let me uh, say something here, right? So you, yeah. once you get into the course, you're going to get a buy box and sometimes your buy box is not going to change. I do not want you to be frustrated and suddenly say, Oh, I'm going to look at a second zip code. Cause once you add another one, you're going to go backwards, not forward. If you have a day where nothing changed, great. Shut it down. Go do something else. Go do your day job. Go. If you do anything, go network, right? Back to the things I did wrong. Your buy box is all you look at. Everything else is ignored. Everything else for 60 or 90 days. And so do you think it's not really that relevant whether or not the buy box zip code, so to speak, is in my geographic area or could it be another state? Well, again, what I would tell you in the beginning is to really learn the skill. I would do it in my backyard because sometimes you're going to be like, oh, I want to go drive that one. I want to look at that one. I want to look, I want to, I want to go to that open home just so you can get a feel. Cause one of the things you're going to have to learn is the make ready cost. It's best to do that with somewhere you can drive. I'm not saying you ultimately buy in Mesa. I'm saying it's early. It's easier to learn the skill of real estate investing in mm -hmm. Mesa. Okay. Yeah. I love that. That's great direction as well. Yeah. I think maybe that's kind of how I felt for the, for the longest time. And maybe a lot of other folks feel this way is that you kind of feel like you're floating in the ocean for a while and you don't know which boat to grab onto, or, yeah. you know, as we say, which pool to jump into, right. It's like, yeah. or I oftentimes used, I love the analogy of uh, Mount Everest. Yeah. We're, mm -hmm. we're standing in the parking lot and we're like, how do we get to the top of Mount Everest? There's so many different, you know, we could go the south entrance, the north entrance, the east. Mm -hmm. Which way do I go here? And for the longest time, I'm just frustrated and confused and yep. anxiety and worry. And like, well, I suggest you stay in the parking lot and practice hiking first so you don't kill okay. yourself on either one. So <laughs> do the work. Fair enough. Yeah, I love that. I love it. I feel like I have some, a little bit more clarity now. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful and grateful for you. Brother. All right, man. Um, well, yeah. en enjoy your Sunday. I'm, uh, I'm thankful this, this will probably load at six o'clock tonight. So it'll be out there if you want to rewatch it Yeah. and uh, I'm going to go work out. So enjoy. Okay. Me too. All right. Have a great day. Take care. Bye.